Welcome back to another edition of City View with Mayor Tom Koch, a podcast, Quincy podcast, and I'm Mark Carey, his media director, sitting in the mayor's office overlooking the beautiful, not snow-covered Hancock Adams Common with his honor, Mayor Koch. Welcome, Mayor. Yet very dreary and misty today. It is, yeah. But I'll take this. <laughs> oh, for sure. Any day. Absolutely. Actually, let's start with this issue. I know we, we just talked about what we wanted to talk about on the podcast, and this issue uh, this year is very strange. We have no snow on the ground, which is absolutely bizarre in Quincy, Massachusetts for this time of year. And, you know, five years ago, we were in the worst storm of our lives. Yes. Five years ago, it was like a, a, we were in a bad dream trying to wake up. <laughs> Let's it revisit was, that for a was, second. Oh, my gosh. That was awful. So we broke all kinds of records on snow. In fact, I remember during the latter part of January, uh, I don't know if it was Walker, because Walker in my office, others were saying, geez, we got this thing beat. It's the end of January and haven't any snow yet. You know, February, the sun gets higher. You know, the temperatures rise, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then, boom, I mean, the end of January, and it never stopped. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, it, and, you know, the, the forecasters, the Boston meteorologists, would, they would forecast a, a dusting, and we'd get eight inches. I mean, it was, it was incredible. And, and we were meeting every day at Public Works, every night, did the maps out, dividing the neighborhoods up with different contractors. We had ended up moving 85,000 truckloads of snow. We had four snow dumps going. I mean, it was, it was miserable. I mean, I'm grateful looking back that nobody got killed. I mean, when you think about Amazing. the safety part of it, one of the reasons, two major reasons we were moving all that snow. One is this. Anyone, if you remember, when you're trying to pull out of a side street onto a main drag, you couldn't see anything mm. because the snow mounds were, were so high and right. so big. In fact, if you remember shoveling, Mark, I don't know if you shoveled. I did. Um, but your, your shoulders were hurting because you were pushing the snow up so high over your head to shovel it. <laughs> Nine feet. You know, exactly. Nine it was feet crazy. Yeah. And so you can imagine for me how much harder that was. <laughs> um, but it, it, was, it was a crazy time. And... Um, you know, thinking back, I was two two things that concerned me most. One was public safety. So let's get these streets widened, and particularly the intersections and corners. The second piece that I was very concerned about was in March of 2010, we had record rains. We had oh, 10 inches yeah. of rain in like 24 hours. Mm. We had neighborhoods go underwater, Albrook Road, Joyce Road, Cross Street, Miller Street. I mean, we had all kinds of challenges with that. That's right. So in the back of my mind, okay, we get 120 inches on the ground. And all the storm drains are covered. So if we had a major rain event, we would have seen flooding like we've never seen before because the water would have to go somewhere. Mm. Yeah, so so it, was, it was those two issues. We ended up spending, that went to $13 million for snow, which is... Snow in, removal and the dumps. The whole works. And, yeah. I mean, it's insane. Amazing. And then we, uh, under the state guidelines, we were allowed to, to spend three or four years to pay it back. Uh, over time. But um, so we, we broke the record books with the March 2010 storm for, for rain. We broke the records for February of 2015 for snow. 2018, we had major storm surges that greatly affected a number of our neighborhoods Adam Shore, um, Housenack, Germantown, parts of Marymount, uh, parts of Squanum, uh, took a beating. Mm. Uh, coastal surges we hadn't seen like since the no name storm uh, back in 91, uh, I think that right. one was. And of course, those of us that are old enough remember the blizzard of 78. Uh, so, 
I'm just waiting for the locust, Mark. Um, <laughs> well, I, the effects, I, I remember those snow dumps for people that didn't get a chance to see these snow dumps. And a lot of people didn't. Uh, they were out in Marina Bay. They were at the shipyard. They were yeah. out, uh, you know, uh, the Flatley area. But they were the, running 24 hours a day, 80 feet high, 100 feet high. They were over Bulldozes, the bulldozers, excavators, just moving the snow as the dump trucks come in to dump, and they kept moving they it higher mountains. and higher. They yeah. were mountainous. I think it was the end of June before the last bit of snow was gone in Squanum. Yeah, and, and yeah. when the snow melted, I mean, there's like hydrants and all kinds oh, of things at the bottom. It's a but mess, then what, yeah. what else happened? I mean, the, eff- the effects of that, that's right. <laughs> the effects of that were, uh, you know, that's when we had uh, the rodent issue because we couldn't get the rat traps out. And that happened that, for a that, while. That, that's right. That had a great effect on the rodent population because you couldn't bait while you had all that snow on the ground. And so that took us a couple of years to yeah. get that back under control. And, and every urban setting has sure. an issue, by the way. Of course. Well, they all Quincy, did. So of course. Boston Everyone was huge. having a challenge. But uh, yeah, I don't want to live that again. And so yeah. this year, in, in contrast, uh, we've seen a lot of rain, and uh, that's okay. Because every time I see... By the way, I used to love snow. I had a yeah. landscape construction business, so... In the wintertime when I was much younger, I used to work the snow with, with our trucks and, uh, and you know, made, made a living with it, you know. Mm. Now it's the opposite. I, I see dollar signs in the opposite way, what it's going to cost us yeah. as a city when we see the snow. But we're well equipped. We have increased the snow budget gradually since I've taken office, so it's a realistic one. Mm-hmm. I mean, 2015 wasn't realistic, so throw that out the window. But right. on the average storms now, we, we, um, we're in a much better place. We have we have a great team with Commissioner uh, Grazioso, Superintendent uh, Larry Prenderville, uh, Eddie Larry, the whole team down there. Oh, yeah. they, they're just masters at it. They did mm. very good at it. You know, we we get the salt uh, ahead of time with the shed that was built out back in preparation, so we store a lot more salt. Yeah. Um, you know, we get good equipment and, and uh, outside contractors that help us. Uh, so you know, we, we're um, if we can get through well, this winter without a whole lot more, we save some we'll money. Save some money, which is a good thing. That's absolutely, fantastic. Yeah. absolutely. So, uh, and the headaches saves yeah. the headaches. Well, let's just let's just <laughs> leave that alone. Nothing good comes out of snow. <laughs> it's great to look outside and see green grass or greenish grass. Anyway. Well, the other so. the other thing is we don't think well, we haven't had any real deep cold. Yeah, right. So people's energy bills this year should yeah. be better. You know, the oil or the gas, whatever you may use. Mine you know, is, yeah. Which should help with the city uh, budget as well. Sure. It's a good thing. Well, that's great. Good news. Let's switch to um, schools. Let's talk about middle schools. We talked a little bit about this as well. Uh, we touched on this last week, just at least one area of the city, but you've built three schools under your tenure, um, hopefully looking to build the fourth, and, you know, acquired uh, St. Mary's from the Archdiocese of Boston to uh, the city now owns that. And right now it's being used, as you said last week, as the fire um, training facility. It will be. Will be, correct, in a couple uh, of weeks. Yep. But the reason for buying that was that this is why we're getting into this discussion on, on schools, our schools and talk about our schools overall. Let me say this first up front. You know, no matter what decision uh, or recommendation I may make, there's always criticism, right? So <laughs> I don't know what you, you mean. Know, um, you know, <laughs> what are you doing that for? You're spending too much money. And, and then when something happens, geez, why didn't the city buy that? You know, and if, you know, and if the city went to buy it, oh, why are we buying that? You know, so <laughs> there's, there's situations <laughs> where you never win. What... What's important is we live in a an urban setting. We're part of the metropolitan Boston area, and there's not a lot of land off mark. So we've got to be very smart and wise about our planning going forward. Yes, you mentioned Squanum. Last night at the school committee meeting, we once again voted to support the city's efforts, the superintendent's efforts to apply for a replacement school for uh, Squanum Elementary with the school building authority. We've applied the last three or four years, and we haven't been successful yet. And, and having conversations with Jack McCarthy, the director of the School Building Authority, it's just been a case of there's 
schools all across the state that apply that have just been a little bit worse than that sure. one. So I'm hoping this is going to be the year. Um, now the city council also has to take a vote to do the same, to support our efforts to do it. And Squanum is the, is the old sneaker. It's, it's, uh, the old section is very old and, and in tough shape. The newest stuff was built in the early 70s. It was really not quality construction. It's a very long, linear building. It doesn't meet a lot of the requirements. In fact, very few of the requirements and standards of today's schools. So uh, it's a great school. Don't get me wrong. What happens in the classrooms between the teacher and the kids is, is great things happening out there mm-hmm. under Steve Sylvia and his team's you know, work each and every day. So that's a that's a good thing. St. Mary's, you know, it was up for sale. Now, a number of years ago, St. Mary's Convent was sold. Uh, the Galvins built some condominiums on on Crescent Street there. And once the Archdiocese was looking for a buyer for the school, I said, oh boy, we, we you know, I we got to move on this for a future West Quincy school. Because when you look at the, the geography of the city, you look at the demographics, and then you look at the distribution of our schools, now, we have two high schools. We have five middle schools, 11 elementary schools. And when two and a half hit back in the early 80s, a lot of schools were closed and mm-hmm. sold off. West Quincy lost the Willard School, the Gridley Bryant School. Yeah. So a, a kid from the other side of the expressway in West Quincy on the Milton Line goes to Montclair for school. I thought, out of fairness, um, for the future, let's buy that now. Eventually, we'll take the, the structures down that are on site. We'll begin the planning process. The neighborhood was used to a school there, so it's not like introducing a new use for the sure. site. There was a school, elementary mm-hmm. school. Now, mind you that I'm only one of seven members of the school committee. Now, I say that with all humility. The flip side is I also control the purse strings. So it's my recommendation we do an elementary school, but the school committee may have other ideas for that educational purposes. So, mm-hmm. But we'll get into that discussion at the right time. We sure. wanted to get Squantum cemented in the process first and then revisit that. Now, there's an issue that's come up just recently this week. Once again, it's not new. It's been raised by some parents uh, at Clifford Marshall School. Clifford Marshall School, which isn't that old, that that, that was built uh, when Jim Sheets was mayor. I want to say that was late 90s. Actually, there was a school out in front there that was closed a long time ago, the Pollard School. Wow. Under two and a half, that was sold mm-hmm. off. And um, so here we are building new schools for those same neighborhoods. Uh, so the Clifford Marshall's not that old, but it's overcrowded. And uh, what happened was the decision was made to move the fifth graders out of Clifford Marshall because you had so many uh, kindergarten through four. We moved the uh, fifth graders over to the Point Webster School, which had the capacity. So they're in with then the, the middle school. And then you get uh, the same thing with Lincoln Hancock. We got fifth graders over at Sterling Middle. So the traditionally, uh, when we grew up, it was... Elementary, junior high, yeah. high school. Yeah. Junior high at those days was seven and eight. and eight. Yeah. Today the concept is elementary, middle school, and the middle school is six, seven, and eight. So the elementary goes K, or some cases pre-K, through grade five. By moving the fifth graders in with the middle schoolers, there's some uneasiness by some parents that feel they're not quite ready for that, sure. that transition. Mm-hmm. Listen, there's always going to be a transition at some point, you know? I mean, yeah. we talk about that. Going into middle school is a little scary for kids. Then, then kids coming out of middle school, going into the ninth grade, it's a transition year. People are a little anxious and scared about that. I mean, it, that's part of life, though. We have transitions. So they raised this issue again for the school committee to look at it. And they've asked specifically for me as the mayor to look at it. Uh, there's other some options, other options that we can do to keep these fifth graders together with their family, their friends, their neighbors until they reach the appropriate sixth grade to go into the middle school. So it's something we're going to take another hard look at. We're coming up to the time of year in the schools where the superintendent makes a complete report to us on numbers, projections, what's, what's happening at all the grade levels. Um, we've been pretty consistently stable 
for a number of years now. Uh, there haven't been huge spikes in our student population. Um, we're, uh, we're about 9,600 students in the system. We got healthy class size ratios, so yeah, we that's do. a good thing. Um, and, you know, we've, we've, we have built a new Quincy High School. We have built a new Central Middle School, and we finished up the old Sterling, which is now Southwest, uh, which is a beautiful building. Beautiful school. And But in addition, we've worked on a number of the other school buildings. I mean, all of the uh, the old timers, the Montclair's, the Wollaston's, uh, you know, these are great old buildings, um, yeah. and, but they needed built. work, you know. Yeah. So we, we, we've done roofs, we've done boilers, we've done windows, we've done floors. We're upgrading bathrooms and, and making ADA accessibility every chance we can when we make improvements. So the buildings are in a lot better shape than they were, I'd say, 15 years ago. We're, we have a dedicated public buildings department that spends a lot of time with good tradespeople, keeping up with the work orders and maintaining these buildings. And we owe our kids to have that, you know, a good, safe sure. learning environment uh, for them to to hopefully l- learn the love of learning, not so much the, the, the content. Some people, you know, I didn't like science, but I loved history. <laughs> whatever, whatever you love, yeah. hopefully you take a real love of learning in general. So it's important we do these things. You know, we're a good-sized city. We've talked about that. We're a city of 100,000, as I mentioned, just under 10,000 schools, students. In our system, class size is good. It's reasonable. The plans are ongoing for the new learning center that we announced a few months back, which is going to be a a learning center for some of our, our special categories. Uh, probably the bulk of it will be autism. Autism is something that is has hit society pretty hard the last sure. couple of decades, and uh, you know this this uh, we owe our families that um, just as we do every kid that opportunity, uh, whatever the restrictions disabilities are. Uh, to give them every opportunity they possibly can. You know, we pay a lot of money to send kids out of district a because lot of we money. don't have yeah. um, the facility, number one, and in some cases the necessary training or train personnel for some of these cases. I mean, we can't bring everybody home, even if we have a lot, a lot of money to work mm-hmm. with because there's situations where our kids um, may be so badly disabled they need 24-hour care, for example, Mark. You know, So you know, we're trying to hit that sweet spot. Okay, one is... If we provide these facilities in-house in our system, we're saving, you know, kids from being on a bus for two or three hours a day, you know, going to and from some of these facilities. So that's a good thing. If you're a parent and you know where your kid is all day in that building and, uh, you know, perhaps the bus is picking them up and taking them, you know, down the street to the place in Quincy, or perhaps they're picking them up or dropping them up, which isn't far from their home in Quincy. I think it goes a long way. Now, we have an incredible school system. I always brag about it, and uh, and I always will. You've got outstanding leadership with the superintendent, his team, the principals, the teachers, incredible. Uh, there's a great passion for what they do. Uh, Aaron Perkins, who's the director of our special ed, Aaron comes from a long line of educators. Her dad was uh, Gene Creedon, who was a superintendent of schools, was a principal. Her mother was a longtime teacher in our system. And Aaron is, is just incredible. Um, her working with Deputy Superintendent Mulvey and Superintendent Christopher on really bringing this concept uh, to fruition. We're going through a major planning effort now. We have architects on board, public buildings. Paul Hines is working closely with the team from the schools and putting everything on paper now. You know, we first announced this. I kind of got ahead of myself. I was excited about it, happy about it. We did some quick numbers and thought we could open this up quickly, but really taking a step back, looking at it, looking at the needs, the requirements, the code issues, the standards for this type of teaching, then we need all the facilities that go with it. There's a lot more bathrooms needed, for example. The, the building is a great building, but it's it's going to need a lot of retro. We're going to be back to the council for additional uh, appropriations for it. Even after that, we're going to save money. 
Uh, so it's, it's a good thing. Um, so, so that, that piece is coming along. Um, it's probably going to be September of 2021 before we open that facility. We're in the planning stage now. We'll be in the it's construction phase. not a lot of time. Phase. That's so, not that bad. No, it isn't bad. No, it isn't bad. I was anxious to do it this September. You know, just, just, we just don't have the time to mm. do it right. I want the families to be comfortable with this, obviously. And uh, we want it to, we want to get it right. We don't want to come out of the box, uh, making a misstep here. So cost a little bit more money. We're going to do it. And, Again, the primary role is to keep our families here. The secondary role, which isn't a bad reason, by the way, is uh, we're going to save some money. So those people that are out there paying taxes, um, it's a a good faith effort to show them that we're trying to maximize and make their tax dollars stretch and and be efficient about uh, how we spend the money. So, um, So a lot of good things going on educationally right now. And, you know, I know we've talked a little bit about the Quincy College building. Um, that's going to be a major new effort for our city. Uh, we'll get into that maybe another time. But So good things happening in the schools. Um, at the end of the day, you know, after, and I've said this a n- number of times, after public safety, right, making sure that our, our citizens are safe and, and their person and their home, there's nothing more important we do than teaching our kids. Mm-hmm. And we get kids from all different cultures, right. all different races, all different religions. They come together in the classroom, and it's been said that the classroom is the great equalizer because no matter what your background is, everyone's treated the same in that classroom. And I know our teachers, our paraprofessionals, our, our aides, our guidance counselors, our coaches, our, everybody involved in the system in educating our kids have passion for it. They treat these kids like their own. You, you can't substitute that that passion with you know it, it's more than just teaching a subject matter it's really about caring for each of those kids to make sure they're getting everything they need and some of these kids come from tough backgrounds we've got a couple hundred kids that are considered homeless uh, we got high school kids that couch surf uh, because they don't have a home there's a lot of challenges our schools face that they never had to face in years past and uh, you know a teacher today is a is a teacher Guidance counselor, a nurse, a doctor, a psychologist. I mean, really, they're they're dealing with all kinds of issues. And in some cases, uh, they may may be more of a parent figure than what some of these kids have, you know. So it's it's important stuff. We don't want to miss the mark for any kid. Every kid, we want to have the opportunity and chance to succeed. And uh, I think the system does it very, very well. I'm not saying we're perfect. Mark, there's always room for improvement. And with more resources, which we've been able to do the last several years, you're able to address a lot of those issues. And we're well over our foundation budget. I know right now there's a lot of talk about Governor Baker's new education funding plan. The oh, legislature's yeah. been uh, involved in this, um, and uh, and everyone's pushing hard to get the educational funding up higher because we haven't been meeting the need statewide. Well, the reality is, in Quincy, we've been well above what the state requires. They call a foundation budget we're well above the foundation budget. So this city for years has always went the extra dollar to care for our kids, uh, invest in their education. Fantastic. You know? Remember the old bumper sticker you used to see? You think education is expensive, try ignorance. Oh no, I've seen that on bumper yeah. stickers, you know. So we gotta get it right for these kids to give them every opportunity and uh, I think we're I think we are. Part of that is providing facilities, providing building new buildings, fixing the old ones. I mean as as mayor, I leave the education to the experts, the professionals over there. I view my role as mayor and chair of the school committee is really to fight for those resources that they need to get the job done. And um, that's one of the primary roles, I think, that, that I have. And, and I think we've been working on it pretty well. And, and I'm, I'm grateful, again, to uh, my colleagues in the school committee, 
the city council has been terrific uh, whenever we've gone to them looking for help and approving appropriations or, or bond authorizations. They've been there. They've been a true partner. They, they get it. We're all in this together, and it's about the future is about the kids and the opportunities they get uh, now is going to make better citizens later. Well, boy, have times changed in the schools from when you and I were in elementary school. I, I remember I went to Montclair School, which I, I loved, but I remember uh, sixth graders outside smoking cigarettes in the in the, uh, <laughs> the recess. It was a different time then. It wasn't that long ago, really, but it was 70s, I guess, was long. Yeah, It was crazy times. Which brings yeah. me to another issue. I thought this was a nice segue if I brought that up. Uh, our uh, state AG, uh, Maura Healy, has uh, decided to sue the vaping companies, right? Because she is, uh, because it's caused an epidemic in youth vaping. Yes, uh, and, and, and what she's going after is really the marketing, again, of this. They're going after kids. I know. You know they, they're putting flavors in these things. Absolutely. And it's uh, Senator John Keenan and the legislature's done a great job on, on restricting some of that. There's, there's a lot of this stuff that had the nicotine in it. So yeah. they've been working at it, and the attorney general's going after these corporate. You know, you, you good for her. Just absolutely. Yeah. And I actually sent her a text today, told her to keep up the fight. You know, this is the stuff that's important. Just yeah. when you think we get ahead somewhere, you know, it's it's it, it, this stuff pops up constantly, and it's it's the, it. You know, a lot of it, and I don't want to simplify it too much, but there's so much corporate greed here. They don't mm. care about anything but selling and their profits. I mean, I don't care whether you say cigarettes, whether you're talking about. Marijuana? We're talking about vaping, a jewel, whatever the heck it is. And this isn't an issue. You've talked about this before. I mean, as an adult, we should choose to do whatever we want to do. But at the same time, when it comes to this, when it comes to actually secretly, subtly advertising to kids, yep. it's become yep. an epidemic with kids. That's amazing. No question. And this Good is this her. is on the heels of us, the city, and, and as well as the state suing the pharmaceuticals on what they did exactly with 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 what they knew the potential of these addictive drugs. They still flooded the market with it. We had dentists giving out 30 oxys or perks when they have a, somebody gets a tooth pulled. It was insane, insane. And and uh, and now those same pharmaceuticals are making money on the drugs that are helping get these people off those drugs. There's a new drug that you, I mean, it's so disgusting and disheartening. But so my hat's off to, uh, to the AG on this one. We're certainly supportive of her efforts on behalf of our kids. Thank you to the AG. And finally, Mayor, um, we just we pretty much hit some of the issues and hit our time, which is great. But we do have a big festival coming up this weekend. We mentioned it last week. but How big? Well, it's going to be big, and especially because the weather's looking pretty good. So uh, Saturday, February 15th, from noon to 5. This is something that you uh, had asked us to do a few years ago, and there will be no Snowzilla this year. No slides, Snowzilla. We won't get into that. Thank you, John. <laughs> we talked about doing a special event every month, and... And, of course, yeah. being the city of presidents, having a celebration around President's Day is perfect. So, uh, good stuff. So, it's going to be a great day, full of uh, great entertainment. That's uh, the uh, city of Quincy's President's Day Family Winterfest. And that'll be from noon to 5 p.m. this Saturday. Come on down. Bring the whole family. Bring the adults. There'll be some uh, beer for the adults as well, beer and wine. and But uh, lots of kids' entertainment and fun on stuff On the like Hancock that. Adams Common. And finally, just to, as we go out, you had talked about this. You've been wanting to do this for a while to put together a video series or something on. You just mentioned it earlier, so that's what made me think about it. And you also reminded me that in 1900, this city of Quincy was made up of 30% immigrants. Well, in 2020, it's made up of 30% immigrants. Yeah. If you go back if you go back 100 years, uh, about a third of our population was immigrant. Now, they were different faces. It was more European. Uh, and today, we have 30% of our population as immigrants. It's more uh, different parts of the world, but uh, we've been a gateway city. We've been a welcoming city with part of our history. I'm not saying that it's been without incident or challenges. Of course, uh, I know you have uh, 
ancestors that came probably from Ireland and they yep. weren't treated too well when they first came over. Not at all. Um, yeah. So every group has had a history and uh, I know we've talked about doing a series on some Quincy people that, that, uh, that are immigrants that I'd love to share that story. With. So we're going to get into that. We've some been point. putting the list together and we'll talk more about that as we move forward. Mayor, thank you very much. This has been city view with mayor Tom Koch at podcast Quincy podcast. Just search for podcast Quincy and you will find us. We'll see you next time.